0: Love talk radio Welcome to Psychic Teachers. I'm your host Deb Bowen
1: and I'm Samantha Faye.
0: We are just so delighted and honored that you are joining us whenever it is that you're joining us whether it's live tonight on Sunday night or whether you're listening to us uh later in the week. We are so happy to have you with us. Uh as as you know, uh we have a uh, we're doing a new exciting. We're so excited about it. Um process with our shows this year. We're trying something new. Last week uh, we talked about unexplained mysteries and Samantha gave us a great talk on the Bermuda Triangle and that triangle in in the Great Lakes that I didn't know a darn thing about. Uh, Tonight we're talking about sacred stories and I'll talk more about our program tonight Next week we're going to be talking about famous psychics and intuitives. And then week four of the month is the night that we will answer your questions from, uh, that you've sent us either on Facebook or by email. And that's going to be kind of our rhythm for the next few months uh, each, each month. So you can kind of know, oh, it's the second week of the month they're talking about this. So, uh, so we're happy to have you with us. We also have a stone of the week, an animal of the week, and I have our meditation for this week. So, Samantha, you want to start with our Stone of the Week? Sure, I do. So, um,
1: I decided to discuss a lovely stone called k uh, which means whatever will be, will, will be. You,
0: will you spell it? And I'll put it in the chat. Sure. You.
1: It's um, Q-U-E, and then the second word is S-E-R-A. So, k stone is actually a um, conglomerate, a mix of several stones, that include blues, quartz, feldspar, calcite, iron, magnetite, um, clinozoicite, and a couple of others. And it kind of acts like a battery, and it helps to activate your own personal power. It helps you to um, manifest the reality, your own reality, the way you want it to be. It's a powerful carrier of key energy. Um, Physically, it helps to recharge and balance the meridians and organs of the subtle and physical bodies. Um, It also is really good for healers. So if anyone listening is a massage therapist, um, a Reiki practitioner, or any other type of healer, um, Keistaraw is said to help you to see your uh, recipients or patients or clients' um, actual energy matrix and helping you to see exactly where you need to go with your healing energy. Um, It helps you to stand in your own power. It releases you from self-imposed obligations, especially those you unconsciously assumed, so the world would perceive you as a good person. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. This is from uh, Judy Hall's book, 101 Power Crystals. She says, the stone teaches that service given in this way is actually selfish and self-serving and does not enhance the greater good. And she's talking about, you know, when we're motivated to do something simply so we're perceived as being a good person. Mm-hmm. If you take the burdens of the world on your shoulders and find it impossible to say no when asked to do even more, you should hold Kesarah in your pocket. The transformation will free you to be of real service to those around you. If you dwell on problems, this crystal helps you find constructive solutions. Ksara means what will be, but with this stone, the future definitely is yours to co-create. It attunes you to the Akashic Records of your sole purpose and shows all possible pathways. Pointing out the long way and the direct route, it encourages you to take one the one most appropriate for your evolution. With k there are no mistakes, only learning experiences. How fast you learn is up to you.
0: Nice. So there you have it. And tell me again what it looks like.
1: It um It's a lovely bluish stone. It, it kind of depends on the cut that you get because it does have seven stones inside of it. Mm-hmm. So it's got some blues and some... Um, some reds in it as well. Uh-huh. It's kind of like a conglomeration.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's not the prettiest stone to be honest with you, but it's very very powerful.
0: Nice. Good. Yeah. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Wonderful. Um okay. And so for our animal this week, I have chosen the coyote, uh who is the quintessential example of the trickster, and we're going to talk a whole lot about what that trickster stuff means in a little bit. Um, you know, Samantha, I have coyotes in my neighborhood. Did you know that? Yes, I do, too. Yeah. Um, and you they, are not friendly to cats. No, you need to be kind of very careful if you... Uh, have pets outside and you have coyotes in your neighborhood. But anyway, I am working tonight to talk to folks about coyote uh, from David Carson's and Jamie Sam's Medicine Cards book. Um, And they say uh, that if you connect to coyote energy, be absolutely sure that some kind of shift is on its way, and it may not necessarily be to your liking uh you can be sure that whatever it is will make you laugh maybe even painfully you can also be sure that coyote will teach you a lesson about yourself coyote is about magical energy uh but he often is he tricks himself he he's the example they give is um that he takes himself so seriously that at times he can't see the obvious. For example, the steamroller that is about to run over him. That is why when it hits him, he can still not believe it. Was that really a steamroller? I better go look, he says, and he's run over once again. Uh, So coyote is, he contains the humor of the ages, but he also reminds us that within that humor there are lessons to be learned, that we um, need to be aware of the energy within us and that um, need to be able to laugh at ourselves, not to take ourselves so terribly seriously, uh, and at the same time to be aware of when we are being tricked or conned by somebody else. So you have to be very careful about that. Uh, If you can't laugh at yourself and your crazy antics, you have lost the game, says David Carson and Jamie Sams. Coyote always comes calling when things get too serious. The medicine in laughter and joking is there so that you can have new viewpoints about the world around you. So coyote medicine is um, hard. The energy and the learning and the lessons from coyote are difficult, but they are there to remind us that we need to put things in, our, in perspective in our lives. Very nice. Okay, so that's the lesson from Coyote.
1: All right. So tonight we're going to be uh, beginning our discussion of the archetypes. And
0: um, you want me to do my meditation?
1: Oh, I completely forgot. Yes, please
0: do. Okay, thanks. It's not a very long meditation, but I thought it might get people kind of to understand a little bit about where we're going. So if it is safe for you to do so, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and drop your shoulders, and just go with me very softly and very gently out into a landscape that might almost seem like a moonscape to you. It's rocky and rugged, and they're giant spires that almost look like drip sand sandcastles with layers of colors of different stones. You know that you're in a very ancient and very sacred landscape, and it's very arid. It's very dry. <clears throat> the ground beneath your feet is kind of gray and powdery, so it's a a dismal landscape, and yet It's breathtaking in how ancient and beautiful it is. And as you stand just very still in the bottom of a ravine, in this beautiful place that's strange and different to you, you become aware of sounds around you. You hear a cry up in the sky, and above your head flies Hawk, the messenger of spirit. And there's a of, of movement over out of the corner of your eye and you see that it's a jackrabbit leaping across the landscape and just over to the other side of you but in a nice safe distance you see a rattlesnake slithering along the way and your eyes are drawn up to the cliffs and you see a mountain goat just standing in absolute stoic silence and you are surrounded in this landscape, by four-legged and winged and crawling people that you don't know really how to communicate with, that you're not sure what their messages to you are. And as you stand in this beautiful, strange place, you breathe in and you relax, and you know that if you will listen, and be still that the language of these people will come to you in a way that gives you information about who you are. Hawk comes to you to tell you that you are always connected to spirit. The jackrabbit reminds you to be brave and to trust yourself. The snake reminds you to let go and shed that which no longer serves you. And the mountain goat tells you that always in your search for centeredness, the climb is steady and slow and sure. And if you will just let yourself be in this place, you will know that you are safe and that you can trust and honor the messages that come to you from your brothers and sisters from the animal kingdom. Take a deep breath and flutter your eyes open when you're ready. That was beautiful. I went to the Badlands. I don't know where people around me went when I I was doing that, but when I was preparing it, I was in the middle of the Badlands because that's the place where I have seen most coyotes is in the Badlands. Very nice. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so now let's tell people about tonight's topic, sacred stories. So tell them how we came up with this and... um, and what we're what we're about here tonight with this show okay
1: so we thought that we would take a journey through the archetypes and um i'm going to have you talk a little bit about more what that is and how we're going to be talking about carl young's arch- a couple of different types of archetypes right um because why do we want to do this well Deb and I believe that when you're learning to trust your intuition and you're learning to embrace your own innate psychic ability, understanding the different facets of your own personality and the people um, around you is so key to really linking into that compassion and empathy that is needed to do proper um, and ethical, intuitive work. And also just understanding the archetypes that are within you and around you, um, I think simply helps to understand your sole purpose in a much deeper and more profound and connected way. Absolutely. Um, and we thought it would be really neat to discuss the archetypes in an organized format that's in alignment with the major arcana of the Tarot, um, because all of the characters that are represented in the major arcana of the Tarot are uh, connected to archetypes.
0: Right, they are.
1: So that's why we're starting with the fool.
0: Yes, because the fool, of course, is uh, the trickster. Uh, mm-hmm. He was the he became uh, the fool. Key became our joker card in our modern playing cards. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why. So so we're going to to try to keep this monthly uh, discussion of of archetypes and spiritual stories. Uh, moving along through the 22 keys of the major arcana of the Tarot. So that's why we're starting where we're starting tonight. So let's talk about that word archetype first of all, Samantha. Would okay. you like for me to go there or would you? Yeah, no, you could. You oh, okay. All right. Okay. <clears throat> so the concept of an archetype um, is the, I. well, hold on a minute, and I'm going to read you something if I can. There we go. Okay, hold on. I'm pulling up information here. Um, an archetype. Wait, I'm on the wrong page. Sorry. <laughs> hold on, everybody. I'll get there. I want to. I want to read you this concept. Okay. The concept of an archetype is found in areas relating to behavior, psychological theory, literature analysis. Analysis. Um, Archetypes can be statements or patterns of behaviors uh, which other behaviors and objects emulate or copy. Uh, An archetype can come to us from from, uh, Plato's philosophical idea relating to how we uh, envision and embody the fundamental characteristics of a thing or a person. According to Carl Jung, The idea of an archetype is, and I'm quoting here and then I'll explain it, a collectively inherited unconscious idea, pattern of of thought, image, etc., that is universally present in individual psyches. Now here's what, uh, and, and one more thing to that and then I'll explain both, and it is also a constantly reoccurring symbol or motif in literature, painting, or mythology that uh, allows us to see aspects of ourselves and human behavior. So basically what Carl Jung, the the Swiss psychologist, said was that we all carry within us, in our individual psyches, within our own um, minds and thoughts and hearts, we carry within us a connection to a pattern of behaviors and ideas that are universal, he calls that the collective unconscious um, that that all of us have a part of ourselves that is just like everybody else across all cultures that 's the basic concept of an archetype, um, and we see them in we see the concept of archetype in many ways, uh, and trickster, of course, is one of them uh, that we 'll be talking about we see. Um, Archetypes in um when we talk about goddesses, when we talk about gods, when we talk about um uh, universal beliefs that transcend cultures, and what I think
1: is important in talking about archetypes is you know when Shakespeare says all the world is a stage, you know, and we're all players on this stage i I really have always taken that to heart and and I really feel that if you can look at all the people in your life as characters in the sitcom that is you Mm -hmm. (laughs) or the drama or the comedy or whatever your life is at the moment, I think that it helps you to understand the people in your life better and the role that they're playing. Yeah. So, for example, if, if we, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of different archetypes this year. There's the Lover, the Magician, the Servant, the, the Prostitute, high the High Priestess. Um, there's several different the types. Mother, the Mother. That. Yes. Um, tonight we're talking about the Fool. So as I'm, I'm going to just read you some notes I took on what the Fool archetype is, and as I'm talking, I just want everyone to think about. Who's the fool in my life? And in what ways am I the fool in my own life? So think about in your life who plays this role. So the fool archetype, just so you're so you're all very, very clear, we can see it in um, a lot of different um, ways in our life in terms of just TV and movies. If you take, for example, like Disney and Pixar movies, uh, which I'm well versed in, <laughs> thanks to my daughters. <laughs> I think one of the best examples of the fool is Dory from Finding Nemo. Um, because, well, I'll explain in a minute. And some other examples of the fool in traditional, or I'm sorry, contemporary movies would be Buddy from Elf, uh, the three little brothers in Brave, Olaf from Frozen, the donkey and Shrek, uh, played by Eddie Murphy. Um, Shakespeare, in Shakespeare's plays, he almost always includes a fool character.
0: Absolutely. Can you say Puck?
1: Yeah, Puck (laughs) and Bottom in Midsummer's Dream as well, the, um, the clown from All's Well That Ends Well. Right. So the goal of the fool archetype is to have fun, to live in the present moment, to enjoy life. Right? Their fear, the number one fear that the fool has is boredom routine, following rules. Their virtue would be freedom, humor, life lived in the moment. So that's why I'm talking about Dory. If you think about Dory, she cannot live in the past because she can't remember it. (laughs) And she can't live in the future because she always forgets what what she's thinking about. She can only live in the present moment. And that's why I think she's such a good example of um, the fool archetype. Some of their negative attributes are that when working from the not so good part of their personality, fools are lazy, irresponsible, cruel, and the carn artist. Um, their shadow side is a glutton defined by lust
0: and urges
1: who does who, you know, cannot have self control. Do you want to add anything to that?
0: Well, I'll, you know, I have to tell you, I was listening to your examples and I realized. Here's a generation gap between me and you, which is really fun. So, so if you're out there and 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 this resonates for you, um, when I think of the trickster image in cartoon characters, I think of um, the wily coyote who's always after the roadrunner, mm-hmm. who is a lot older no. than no. that's
1: I put Bugs Bunny in our. Um-
0: in our show description. Oh you did, that's true. I did yeah. <laughs> that's I true. like the
1: coyote too, I do. No, I and or like the little skunk from the um the old the um was it Disney cartoons? Who's always trying to woo everyone and so yeah, I think that there are um other examples from older cartoons. What what are some other ones that come to your mind?
0: Uh well, I don't know. I was I was all fascinated by the ones you were talking about. So, but I think people have gotten the gotten the idea. But you know, I think when we think of, uh, and and this is one of the best ways I think that um, movies certainly get this across to us. As or in those those children's movies. But um, and I'll talk more about some literature, and, and I have some literature examples uh, here in a little bit. But um, I think that. We think of that trickster energy as not being very deep. We think of it as being kind of shallow. We don't think about the real psychological and and, uh, spiritual implications of the trickster. And I want to talk for a few minutes more about those because we see tricksters in religion and in culture so much um, that I think it's important to talk about. That Young says, Carl Jung says that the trickster is is a manifestation of our own collective unconscious. Um, he suggests that the trickster is within all of us, just sitting on the borderline between our unconscious and conscious thought. Um, he is loved and people enjoy him. Uh, we enjoy that part of ourselves he he 's the um, he 's the jokester he 's the one who keeps everybody laughing and everybody happy and yet he also, as you pointed out a few minutes ago, can be a malicious practical joker. He can also be someone who really makes us look at ourselves and and face our shadow side and that shadow side of ourselves. Is that part of ourselves that we don't like to talk about? we don't like to acknowledge or admit that we carry within us aspects of our personality that are unkind or um, dismissive we don't we don't like to carry that and and yet the trickster is there to show that to us um it, This article I'm working from says in Native American stories, which, of course, there's no such thing. It depends on the tribe. Uh, The trickster takes the form of the coyote. He is earthbound, like man, but is constantly trying to transcend his fate. He is always attempting to try to fly and do something that he's not able to do, but no matter what, he can't escape being human. And that's one of our lessons from the trickster archetype is that it's okay to be ourselves that it's it's fine to aspire and to achieve but it's also to say to ourselves sometimes we are enough we are enough well you know when i
1: um when i think about the full archetype i always think about you know laughter and and humor and where do you what do you find funny and i've always said that if you want to know someone's true character Look at what they laugh at.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: You know, um, when my kids were little, um, they're so little uh, that I can watch on TV with my kids. And it's sad because so much of TV is just disgusting these days. But when they were littler, they used to like to watch America's Funniest Home Videos. And that show is nothing but videos of people falling down. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and you think about, like, Huh. There's a little bit of the trickster in all of us that you know, of so many people laugh at that, right? Right. Um no judgment, I laugh at it too. I'm not saying that. But I do think if you want to know somebody, look at look at what they find um funny.
0: Mhm.
1: Um I think one of the best examples of the fool archetype in our modern day culture is Robin Williams.
0: Oh. Oh, interesting. He
1: has a wonderful quote that, um, you know, in retrospect, breaks my heart, where he says, um, who makes the fool laugh? I, actually, I, th- I think his quote is something like, who makes the clown laugh? Uh, where he talks about how, you know, because people would say to him, like, how can you be depressed? You're so funny. And he says, ah, but who makes the clown laugh? hmm Mhm and I think that is um that is really hard and I think if you look at you know I'm, I'm a really huge fan of uh comics um i just i love to study them i I love to read their biographies if anyone out there loves um Good writing and likes co- comedians. Please read Steve Martin. I cannot tell you how amazing all of his books are. Shop Girl blew my mind, um, but his biography Born Standing is amazing. Um, I've talked before on the show how I love that podcast WTF, um, where he interviews comics. And what you'll find as a thread in the in the personality is an inner sadness.
0: Mm-hmm. Almost
1: every comedian has a difficult childhood. Have you noticed that?
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. And
1: I think because that's sort of the sad, the shadow side of the fool. You know, they're trying think about the 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 jester from the court days. I mean, that was a pretty precarious position to have in a castle, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, you had to make the king laugh, but if you didn't, um oh my gosh, Deb, one of my favorite movies of all times is um the history, um, oh, my gosh, it's just it's leaving my head. It's um, Mel, um, oh, my gosh, the history of everything. The history oh, yeah. of the world
0: part one. That's it, history of the world part one. <sighs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Remember when he plays the fool for, for Caesar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he starts making jokes, like weight jokes, fat jokes or something, and Caesar's um overweight and he gets killed or they uh, try to kill him. So that's kind of like the the traditional court jester. So, um, yeah, someone has written in the chat room, thank you for getting me back on track. Pain is masked with with humor. And and Mel Brooks, thank you, thank you, thank you. There you go, you got it. I can breathe now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Mel Brooks, yeah, the pain is masked by humor. Don't you think that's so true?
0: Oh, I think so too. I mean, how many times in our lives have... We laughed when we were really crying inside, or we have certainly uh, seen somebody else who, mm-hmm. who we know was doing that, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, too, I
1: think look at the role. I think that we all play different roles as children, and I think that the roles we play in our family can also give us a lot of information about the archetypes that are within us, mm-hmm. you know, Um I was always the the good girl. I always did what I was told. Um, That was kind of my role. I always got good grades. But one of my sisters was the full archetype. I mean, she used to put on full comic shows for us. And, I mean, she had roles and characters, and she always made us laugh. I mean, it was just, you know, that was her thing. If you needed to laugh, you'd go find her, and she'd put on a little 10-minute show for you. Um, you know, and so think about if you were ever the fool in your family and I don't, and when I say and when Deb says fool, we we don't mean fool in terms of like stupid. No, we mean fool
0: in terms of of sometimes naive or innocent or the clown. Unaware. unaware. Yeah.
1: Uh Oh, that was something else I wanted to run by you. You know how um, how interesting uh, how the, the, okay, so we say that the fool has this positive and negative side, right? Like, like it's humor's masking this inner pain. The clown, I think, is so symbolic of that, right? Mhm. Because you think of a clown as someone who comes in and makes everyone laugh, but first of all, clowns can be scary. And they can there's something sad about them, isn't there? Sending the clowns.
0: <laughs> you know, me here in yes, I know. That a little night music was a great show, but that's a whole other story. Uh, yes. Um so yes there is something there is something sad about them and lonely it's a it's a it's a lonely yeah. path to walk to be the trickster um to be um to be the one who who is different because mm-hmm. they are they mm-hmm. are different and they are they are seeking you know mm-hmm. uh they do want to they they are seeking here's a a question that i found in a um in an a article on a university website, um, tricksters often show up the flaws in the, quote, big gods. Uh, why? If tricksters threaten order, authority, and hierarchy, then why do tricksters appear in that story? Why are, why are they needed? Why do we need the trickster archetype? And I think um, that we need the trickster archetype because he helps us to see ourselves. He helps us to see that we repeatedly begin this journey to self-enlightenment, which is what the, the fool in Tarot does. As as the first card in most decks, in tr- most traditional decks, his number is zero. He has no number. And it is it is that. Fool's Journey to Enlightenment that he winds his way through the Major Arcana to get to. And so here he is, if you're familiar with, uh, and I'm working here out of my head with the image of the the Fool from the Weight Rider deck. Uh, here is this youth um, who is standing on a pre- precipice, ready to embark on a journey. Um, and and is he really going to step off of that and into the unknown, Is he willing to um, risk what it takes to learn about himself or herself? Um, Is he really willing to enjoy the the journey along the way because he looks very happy and that's what a trickster looks like, but is that who he really is inside? And Mm -hmm. what does he, and, and this is an interesting thought for me because I don't know that I've ever thought of it this way, What does the fool in the tarot teach the aspects of himself as he goes along? Not only just what does he learn, because he becomes the magician, he becomes the emperor, he becomes the hermit, he becomes the hanged man as he moves his way, he becomes death as he moves his way through the tarot, but what does he also give back as part of his trickster energy to those other archetypes?
1: what does the fool give back that's a great that's a great thing to think about isn't it an interesting mm-hmm. thing it is um, you know you can everything that we're discussing uh this tonight and on any corresponding archetype show you can correspond to the hero's journey
0: oh and we will be talking about that because Joseph Campbell is one of my heroes oh me too yeah and the hero always starts off as the innocent fool right
1: You know, Mm -hmm. um, look at Santiago
0: and the Alchemist or Harry Potter, the opening um,
1: pages of the Sorcerer's
0: Stone. Oh, yeah, I can still hear that conversation with Hagrid. I'm a what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, and I don't don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but in the Lakota tradition, um, there is... um, a group of people called Hiokas. And Hiokas are the tricksters. They, are, they come to ceremonies and to celebrations, often walking backwards. Sometimes they even drive their cars in backwards. Everything they do is backwards. And it's to help the people uh, to know to laugh, because it is through laughter that uh, we, we open the gateways to communication with the divine. It is through joy and that we also need to see ourselves from both the front and the back, from that front side of ourselves and from that shadow um, side of ourselves. Somebody has written in the chat room, Loki from the Norse traditions, and absolutely that is true, are Herms, uh, Herms from the Greek tradition, Um yeah, uh, Samantha. Yeah, I have a story about Loki I yeah, want to share later. Samantha's going to be talking about that. Oops, Samantha, we're at the halfway mark. We need to take a break and um, and tell people about our sponsors. Okay. Okay? Uh, do
1: you want me to start? Yeah, I okay. do. So we are sponsored um, by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com backslash psychicteachers, you will get a free one-month trial of Um, I believe the Internet's number one online listening resource. This week I am recommending Carolyn Mace's The Language of Archetypes, Discover the Forces That Shape Your Destiny. Um, It is almost 13 hours. Uh, Here's what it says about the book. Have you ever felt that your life was guided by larger forces, unseen but very real energies that influence every direction your life takes? In her renowned work as a medical intuitive, Carolyn Mace examined the patterns of hundreds of archetypes that exist in human consciousness, and found that each of us has a sacred support team of twelve primary archetypes. Once identified, these archetypes allow you to discover your highest pers- purpose, which she calls your sacred contract.
0: I was on her website doing a lot of, in doing preparation for tonight. It's a good website. A so if you go to
1: audibletrial backslash psychicteachers, you can listen to The
0: Language of Archetypes by Carolyn Mates for free. And I just need to add this because we had a listener shoot me an email about this today. Um, If you are uh, pagan or Wicca and are interested in Scott Cunningham's work, um, they are having a sale on some of his books on Audible today. And it just is, is, I think it ends tonight at midnight. No, I like it. he, He explains things very succinctly. He really does. A lot of people really love Scott. I'm sorry he was gone too soon for for us absolutely mm-hmm. um anything else from audible no okay um just a quick thing note to you uh and i hate to do this on air but um i'll forget it if i don't we've had several people send us messages asking us to put on our facebook page the book that we recommend each week so can we remember to do that oh sure mm-hmm. yeah okay good because i always forget it you know all right let me tell people that our other sponsor tonight because i am so beyond excited about this sponsor we are sponsored by mystic elements mystic elements is a metaphysical store in wilmington north carolina uh, where samantha and i sometimes do some work i'm offering my tarot class over there this month i'm starting a couple of meetup groups over there uh, but let me tell you about about mystic elements and what they want you to know It is a metaphysical center that focuses on offering products and services for spiritual growth and living. They offer a myriad of spiritual products and services, including a vast array of crystals and stones, tools for spiritual growth, and a team of practitioners who offer energy healings, angel work, spirit guide communication, mediumship, and more. In addition to our products and services, we offer monthly and specialty workshops, events, and meetings. We have created a destination that welcomes people from all walks of life and all beliefs and invite you to visit our store while you are on your spiritual journey. Their online store is up and running. Um, They have just... Wonderful things on their online store. Um, we can recommend that their stones are what they say they are and they're lovely and so Very good quality. Oh, I'm so excited to be able to really recommend a good stone place for folks. So go to their website. Uh, it's Mystic Elements, and I'll put this in the chat room, .com. Uh, their Facebook page is Mystic Elements NC, and if when you place your order you use the code Psychic Teachers, all lowercase, all one thing, you will get ten percent off of, on your order. So I just really invite you to go and take a look at our wonderful friends who are just some of the kindest people I know and. Um, and just have a, a wonderful service and wonderful products to offer everybody. So so uh, please go take a look at our new sponsor, Mystic Elements. I have just put everything in the chat room for folks. And we'll also, of course, uh, pin this to our Facebook page for you all after the show tonight.
1: Yeah. So please like us on Facebook because I will start putting an audible book and we'll put links to our sponsors. Um, and if you have any free time this weekend you'd like to leave a nice comment on iTunes, that would be great because
0: that helps people find us too. Absolutely true. And y'all go like our Facebook page. There are almost a hundred thousand of you, and we got oh, Samantha. We're almost a four thousand followers on Facebook. I know. You know, we. Course, I know. You know. We don't post as much as people probably want us to, but you know. Anyway, we'd appreciate that, and certainly go take a look at Mystic Elements Facebook page because it is it's it's great. So there we go. Okay, so
1: um, I was doing some research on. What the fool can do for you. Okay. <laughs> are words you don't often hear put together. <laughs> true. <laughs> um, here's what a fool can do for you. They provide common relief, and certainly you need that, correct? Absolutely. They, But this one is interesting. What do you think about this? Uh, what I also read um, many people said, that the fool teaches us about character. How we treat the fool in our life reveals our true character. And what I was reading was saying that the fool in, um, like in stories and and whatnot, are, is usually kind of like the sidekick, that you know, kind of, kind of like the Chris Farley um, of movies, mm-hmm. um, Donkey and Shrek. You know, Shrek is always like, oh whatever, Donkey, and and Olaf in Frozen is just kind of like this silly little snowman who you know, you know kind of makes jokes. So, how you treat the fool will reveal. Um, you know, if you're kind of a good or a bad person. So it about our hero. Like if we take, if we apply it to the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. We can we can look at how the hero treats the the fool char- character, the the sidekick, and then we can learn more about them. Like if you take for example Shrek, he can't stand Donkey, um, and yet he feels bad for him, and so he lets him kind of like tail along and come. Um, come along with him and so it shows us that yeah Shrek is trying to be this independent um, you know ogre but he has a heart so it's a way for us if you look at the fools in your life and you look at how you have treated them it'll show you kind of what your true character is
0: yeah it will how do you tr- how do you treat those people who come and um... Into your life, who get on your very last nerve? Who yeah. you know, and yet, yeah. and yet they've come to teach you uh, uh, to give you an opportunity to see an aspect of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we see and 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 have problems with what we see in other people that are really a part of ourselves.
1: Deb, you know what like this rev I just had to, splash to um to. Okay, so class clowns, right? Mm-hmm. Any anyone listening to this podcast who's a teacher. I invite you to look at your class this semester with new eyes, through the eyes of identifying your students and their main archetype.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Because the class clown, one of the th- one of the ways that I used to deal with the class clown, I'm like, there's always a class clown. There's always that guy who's got a, you know, make a joke. I had this one student who used to always go, he used to always have a joke, and he'd go, you feel me, Miss Faye? Do you feel me? Do you feel what I'm saying? (laughs) I used to laugh hysterically, and I'd be like, yes, I feel what you're saying. Um, But sometimes you have those, like, aggressive or arrogant class clowns. And so I used to always say, um, okay, guys, apparently... Doug really needs some attention because he wants us all to laugh at him. So you got the floor for 10 minutes and I would just let him, you know, tell jokes for 10 minutes and then he would totally give me the rest of the class period. <laughs> 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 so I don't know what that reveals about my character, but that's how I would deal with it. Um, the fool also teaches us to be free. Unencumbered. Yes. Unencumbered. Yeah. And to, live in the, and to live in the present moment and um, how to laugh at ourselves.
0: Uh, yes. Yes, not to take ourselves so doggone seriously. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that is true. Um, but, you know, th- these these are true. Um, but he also, think of this as, and I'm, I'm quoting here from Eden Gray, think of the fool as spirit facing Mm -hmm. unknown possibilities of self-expression as he enters the world. He stands on spiritual heights, about to step down into manifestation. Every person uh, must journey forward and choose between good and evil. If he has no philosophy, he is the fool. No philosophy, Mm meaning what? No philosophy. Foundations and belief systems. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, well that leads me nicely into Loki. Can I tell my Loki story? Absolutely,
0: tell your Loki story. Okay,
1: because I read something interesting about the whole point of Loki as the trickster god. Okay, so Loki is the trickster god of Norse mythology. Um, It's said that he is the son of a giant. He's the father of the serpent who slays Thor. Um, He's also the father of Fiener the wolf who bites off the hand of Tyr and who kills Odin. Uh, Loki is also the father of Hel, the goddess of the grave. Now, I could be mispronouncing her name. It's H-E-L.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And
1: because she's the goddess of the grave, I decided to pronounce it Hel, but I could be wrong. Mm He There's so many really cool stories about Loki. I I don't know why I'm so fascinated by Norse mythology, but I got into it years ago. And um it's really it's really a cool thing to to learn about. It's, it's very different I in my opinion from Greek uh obviously Roman, which is the same as Greek mythology and Egyptian mythology. Uh really really neat. They're they're very much a family in Norse mythology and and Loki is just kind of like that annoying younger brother. Who can be super mean, too? He shows a complete lack of concern for his fellow gods and goddesses. In all of the stories about him, he is a scheming coward uh, who cares nothing but for himself and his own pleasures. So here's just a typical example there's a story called The Kidnapping of Idun, and again, it's I D U N. Not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Loki is held captive by a giant who says that he will kill Loki unless he can bring him the goddess Eda. Loki tricks Eda and delivers her to the giant. So that's not super nice, right? Because Loki's like, you know, basically like bargaining for his life. If you let me go, I'll bring you the beautiful Eda. And then he tricks her into going to the giant. Um, so he does and so the giant kidnaps Eden and, and then the gods find out what Loki does and they freak out and they threaten to kill Loki unless he runs and rescues Eden. So um he shapeshifts himself into a falcon and runs flies into the into the uh the giant's lair, rescues Eden, grabs her in his talons. The giant shapeshifts into an eagle and follows Loki uh to the home of the Norse guards which is called Asgard. The giant is then killed by the gods. So then the giant's daughter, she gets all mad. She wants her revenge. So she runs to the to the Asgards and she says to the gods and goddesses, you know, I'm going to seek my revenge. And then Loki does this like hilarious little routine with this goat and makes her laugh. And then poof, all is well. Hmm. So that's that's like that's a very typical Loki story where he causes this huge ruckus and then ends up making it okay, you know, with, um, with some of his um, little antics. There's a really cool story. It's way too long to tell here, but if you want to research more about it, about a man who said he would build a wall um, around Asgard and, and Loki kind of messes that up. That's a pretty cool story. But I wanted to tell one more story because it kind of – Relates to um our Christmas celebration in a way, so I think people might find it interesting. It's the um death of Baldur, and Baldur is Odin's son, and everybody loved Baldur so like, remember I said like uh, to me in a lot of the Norse mythology, they're kind of just like this family of gods and goddesses. so if you think about a family, Baldur is like that golden boy, the favorite son, so he's Odin's son um and he is um friggs uh Frigg is his mother and she's the goddess of love. It's when he's born, when Baldur is born, it is prophesied um that he will die in a in a terrible way. And so Baldur's mom, Frigg, of course, freaks out and she makes every living thing on the planet promise not to harm her son. <laughs> Isn't such a lovely gesture of a mother? Like you can just picture her like going to every promise me you won't hurt my son. Promise me. And she asks everything except um, the mistletoe, which oh. she thinks is too small and insignificant to harm Baldur.
0: Whoopsie daisy.
1: Uh huh. So later, Loki carves a spear out of mistletoe.
0: Whoops.
1: And like a typical trickster, does he kill Baldur with it? No, of course not. He's going to put it in someone else's hands. He gives it to the blind god Hod. Hod and tells him to throw it at Baldur, which he does, thinking it's not going to hurt him because Baldor is invincible. Right? Baldur dies, and the gods implore Hel, the goddess of the grave, um, also Loki's daughter I mentioned before, to release Baldur. So think about um, the underworld with Hades, right? So hell is kind of like Hades for uh, the Norse people. And when I say hell, I mean the goddess, not the place. Mm-hmm. She says she will release Baldur if everybody in the world weeps for Baldur. And everyone does, except guess who? Uh, we Loki. Mm -hmm. Uh So there's one story, one version of this myth is that it ends there, and then the gods take their revenge, and I'll tell that story in a second. It's very quick. The other, the sunnier ending um, is that Loki finally um, laments and does you know, mourn for Baldur, and Valdor is reborn, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that version, Frigg is so delighted to have her son back that she declares the mistletoe to be a universal symbol of love and she vows to plant a kiss on anyone who passes underneath it. Oh. And that's why we kiss under the mistletoe.
0: Oh, in the Norse tradition, there's a mm-hmm. different reason in the druid tradition but that's okay oh that's really cool uh-huh. <laughs> now
1: here's what i wanted to finish with loki um so either because of that or because of uh, it, it, it depends on which version of the myth you're reading but eventually the gods get really tired of loki and they decide to take their revenge and it's brutal they take the entails of one of his loki's sons and use it to tie him to three rocks and leave him in a cave with a poisonous snake dripping poison above his head.
0: Ooh. Yeah. I wait a minute. A I, need a, I have a question. Lois, uh, Loki's mother is Frigg, F-R-I-G. No, 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 no. No, that's Baldur's mother. Sorry. That's, okay. Loki's mother is Freya?
1: We don't really know. There's
0: different uh-huh. versions. Okay, because we've got this thing going on in the chat room, and I get oh, Frigg and Freya sorry. confused. That's okay. I know. All right, sorry.
1: Frigg oh, anyway. is the goddess of love. Um, and she is connected to Odin, and they had Baldur okay, all right Loki you know you read different versions, you read like he's the son of a giant, and then some people say that he's the son of a giantess, and some say he's the son of a of a lesser goddess, but it's, it's it changes in
0: different versions right, as it does in many gods and goddess stories yeah,
1: so what was so fascinating to me though is I was reading about Loki and what he represents to the Norse people. And most of what I read agreed that he represents a needed disregard for the sacred.
0: Mm, that sometimes the profane is okay. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah.
1: I think it's really important, you know, if you think about it, because I think what what scares me uh, more than anything in life, really, more than evil people, um, is is black and white thinking.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, right, yeah. and I and I think if you take the sacred to its negative side, you can get that black and white thinking. And if you can have a little bit of fun and a little bit of jovelty with it, you won't take it too seriously. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. I taught twenty one years trying to teach students to see gray.
1: Yeah, it's not easy to teach everybody that, but no, it's not. Well, you know why? I have to be honest. You know. I I kind of envy people who see the world so simply. And I don't mean that literally, like I don't literally envy them. But sometimes like like I have that one friend who believes that every word of the Bible is true and like her life is so simple. You know what I mean? Because that's her rule book. And ho hum ho hum, she goes through life and there's a just simplicity to it that is innocent and weird. Um you know, but I I can't. I've never been a black and white thinker. I've always seen, seen Fifty Shades of Grey, and I don't mean
0: that in the weird way. It's meant <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. Please, let's not go there. Um, well, but you know, it is in the gray that we honor possibilities. Mm-hmm. It, and it is, yeah. You know,
1: we honor it's them. in the it's in the gray. I think that we accept ourselves and that we accept others.
0: And we learn to laugh at ourselves,
1: uh-huh.
0: and we learn to laugh at others, you know, sometimes and their antics, and and sometimes, not not in a mean way, but in a just a, I, I call it my "what's up with that" mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Like really, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, open mindedness lives in the grace, as Beth in the chat room, and she's so right. Yeah. Um, that yes, that is true, and to just and to look at those possibilities, and to just. Marvel at the, um, to just marvel at the complexities of, of the foibles of humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing um, that the trickster teaches us, is to just accept our imperfections. We may not always like them, we may not always respect them, but they're there, Um Yes gray is a spectrum but you know i i just invite people to think in terms of of it's not always the world isn't always um, so clear and clean cut um you, in fact there's a in in um the order of the phoenix Sirius says to Harry Potter the world isn't divided into good people and death eaters great right. you know and uh, that's true It's just true.
1: Well, and I think, too, that the trickster, the fool, the clown archetype uh, reminds us that we are lovable. With all of our, you know, with all of our successes and with all of our failures, with all of our positive traits and with all of our faults, we remain lovable. Because if you look at, like Loki, for example, or even, you know, Hermes, or I always like the scarf, but... And any trickster element in mythology, um, they are lovable. I mean, they drive us crazy. Reading those stories about them, we're like, oh, come on. But at the same time, you know, we love to read about them, too.
0: Uh, we, we do, because at some level, we recognize a part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what the archetype does. That's what the concept of archetype does is it um it says this is a part of us. We are connected to this information, to this way of being, to this way of thinking. This I am the trickster. Mhm. Yeah. Yep. And I think, too, you know,
1: if you look at, I love to read articles and stories about um, elderly people and kind of, like, where they are in life now and what they think about their own life. And if you look, there's always a common theme with elderly people, and they will always say, everything I worried about doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think part of the full archetype helps to
0: try at least to remind us of that when we're in our teens, in our 20s, in our 30s, and so on. I I was talking to a friend today on the phone about uh, she was doing some purging and cleaning of, of her study today, and we were talking about you know, does it really matter that you got all this stuff? Can you just let it go? Can you can you begin to lighten your load as the fool has done? Can we come full circle to that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember when those those chairs that um, like like we carry beach, to the beach and camping that you know they're in a tote bag and you put them on your shoulder. You know those those folding chairs and now they got recliners and love seats and all that stuff. You know the ones I'm talking about. They're in the yes. different color bags. You know there's a time in my life that I'd have been happy for that to have been my living room furniture. I'd have been okay with that. mhm. Well, I've circled back around to that <laughs> you know i I don't care about having fancy stuff anymore i you know, and I think that's one of the things that the trickster also teaches us is to look at what we value and what is what really matters and what is the simplicity of who we are.
1: mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to
0: get, you know, if, if if
1: the Fool card in Tarot kind of represents the beginning of the hero's journey, the beginning of our journey, mm-hmm. it can also represent, um, you know, getting back to basics, getting back to what's really important.
0: Absolutely. And and are you willing to embark on this journey mm-hmm. of, of self-discovery and finding those other archetypes within you? which is where we will leave people tonight in that thought and knowing that we'll be back to this in four weeks. Yes, and next week we're going to be discussing Nostradamus, correct? Um, yeah, and a couple of other things. A couple of others. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of those really old uh, psychics and some of the work that they did. So we hope so, that... Go ahead. I was just going to say we hope everybody has a great week. You go ahead.
1: Yes, and, and I was well, I was going to say we are... Uh, one week into Mercury retrograde, so everybody hang in there.
0: That's right. It is, And we are in Jupiter retrograde. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. And, you know, this really isn't so bad if you just are soft and kind and gentle with yourself and with others and bless electronics and don't sign any contracts. You'll be just fine.
1: Exactly. And in the meantime, <laughs> be the
0: light. Be the light, everyone. Thank you and good night. Bye-bye.